0: They don't want to. you don't have to. It's no big deal. But they're gonna help us. I, w- I will say this, I need to say this this morning, as you probably noticed, our kids. It's an intergenerational service this morning. So all the kids, young and old, teenagers, are gonna be in service with us this morning. So I think that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. You guys ready? I can hold it you Are you wanna
1: hold it? Okay. House church's mission is to connect people with God and with each other in an atmosphere of love and grace. As a faith community, we are committed to living relationally according to the values of our ethos. Married, divorced, and single here, it's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here, we've all gotta give a little here. And believe here, we all beat UIA plus and straight here, there's no hate here. Woman, man, and trans, every gender, binary or non, can here, Your race here for all of us. Rich or poor here, class differences dissolve here. Able bodied or disabled, you are part of the body. Neurodivergent or neurotypical, you have the mind of Christ here popular and accepted, or cast out and rejected, we all belong in Christ here. In an imitation of the extravagant love God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love the best we can by putting people first and labels second.
2: Thank you guys. Thank you.
0: Good morning. We're going to sing together. You want to sing together? No, you don't want to sing together? Okay. That's okay. You guys know this song, so sing out with us today. Your voices. You can sit if you want to sit, or stand if you want to stand. Or jump if you want to jump. Or jump if you want to jump. <laughs> That endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can cure. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can cure. So lay down your burden. earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow that heaven Joy, it's joyful for the morning. Oh lover, be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. So lay down, so lay down. you are one more time so lay down
2: Do a good job? <laughs> Amber, would you come up? You guys can go ahead and have a seat. All right. It's all you now. We, we did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> now you can relax, rest.
3: Good morning. Oh, it's kind of bright up here today.
2: <laughs>
3: I've been writing these for two and a half, three years now, something like that. In the beginning of the pandemic, I just really needed peace and I wasn't really finding it. And so I started writing it myself and meditating on it and then sharing that with other people. And um, that's how it started. And this one, my wife honored me by writing it with me last night. And really, it's mostly her. So you're going to love it, and then you all should go and tell her how amazing she is. So you can close your eyes, soak it in, stare at me if you want to. Just get comfortable, settle down into your seat, and let this wash over you. Peace to those who have been waiting and watching for the tide to change, for the next wave that was going to bring you back to warm and clear waters. But it feels like you just keep getting pulled farther and farther into the cold and dark sea, raging with fear and anxiety. Peace to you as you try to ride out the storm in a vessel that was made of rules, judgment, fear and conformity. Beloved, put down your anchor. Look and see that love is standing with outstretched arms and saying, come, walk out onto the water with me. What if you were never meant to be in raging warfare, but instead in a divine love affair with the one who calls you wonderfully made? Peace to you as you tentatively take the first step out onto the water. Love is calling all parts of you to herself and sees no binaries. What if faith is not the victor and doubt is not the enemy, but rather it is further proof that you were created to live a life full of curiosity, complexities, and contradictions. You need not fear the dark because God separated the dark from the light and called it all good. Just as she is calling you her beloved, Oh, so good. Peace to you as you begin to untangle yourself from a theology that has been dragging you under and drowning you in fear and shame, telling you that this is the voice of God. What if the voice of God is the still, quiet whisper inside that says, This can't be right. What if your doubt is holy and exactly what will lead you to love? For freedom is your birthright, and you were created to breathe in the light. Peace to you as you walk through the storms of judgmental family, lost friendships, deep grief, shame, loneliness. You may feel you journey alone, but you will meet followers of the way who also walked out onto the water in faith and doubt, for we are all walking each other home. May you be held and loved always knowing you are the beloved in Christ, and he is calling you to just run into love's outstretched arms. Peace to you.
2: one line. That was beautiful. I have to read this one line. Okay, how about this? Peace to you as you try to ride out the storm in a vessel that was made of rules, judgment, fear, and conformity, beloved. Put down your anchor and walk out on the water. Ha 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 ha! That's awesome. Thank you for riding together. Sounds like y'all make a good team. <laughs> Oh, it's a time of prayer and sharing right now. Um, I've asked uh, Lisa to, to lead us off in, in the prayer and sharing. So what we do right now, if you're new with us today, um, all of this is very different. Um, we usually have rows and we don't have tables out. And I'm supposing it smells really good in here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does, but you know what? I have been told that I need to make it real short because it does smell so good and y'all are going to be hungry, but since I can't smell anything, I'm just going to take as long as I can, <laughs> as long as I need to. Um, my name is Bonnie Laback. I'm the senior pastor here, and I, I determined that today was wear your best sweats day, wear your dress-up sweats. I'm sorry that I didn't let everybody know so I decided it at the last minute when I was like, I need another reason to get out of my comfy, cozy house. And one way I'm going to do that uh, is to put on my, my best dress sweats. So that's how I figured that out. Uh, Oh, it's just—it's good to be back. Um, I know we've got Danielle got some things to say. I know Lisa has some things to say. We try to connect in this way um, every time we get together to share our joys and our concerns. Um, this would be a time um, to share. What, what is it? <laughs> How many minutes do I have? Woo, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> So you all don't take too much time. Lisa, come here, and let's do this, because I've got some ministry to share. I've got a word from the Lord, a good old, not an old-fashioned word from the Lord. We've got some reframing to do. Come on up. Everybody welcome Lisa, just to make her feel comfortable.
4: So I... I- I told Bonnie, it took me two weeks to write the email because I'm really worried about bothering people, but I finally sent her an email yesterday. Um, Back when she was talking about the story of the Good Samaritan, I was captivated by the idea of, by the, I'm sorry, I have a naturally loud voice, anyway, I was captivated by the idea of um, reframing because it's just, I, I tend to, I think in pictures, and I feel like 20, 20, what was last year? 2022 um, was a time for me that when that the faith that I had um, had crumbled down to just, I mean, deconstruction, just had it all fallen. But there was this idea behind reframing, and I thought, you know, that's, so I got this picture, like, in in building a house, you build a, a strong foundation, and I have that. I have a strong foundation, and I feel like what I'm doing now is, I, you know, if you're building a house, the next thing you do, I, I'm not a construction worker, but I assume the next thing you do is you begin to build the frame and that's what I'm doing now is I am, I am now building this frame that is my, um, my new faith. I've got my construction hat on and like I say, I think in pictures, I've got my, you know, hard hat and my orange vest and my work gloves and I'm building this frame. For, for my new house and um, there are, I've also realized there are some things in this pile of rubble from what I used to believe that that may may still be valid. And so I'm kind of looking through there and going, okay, well this piece, yeah, I'll put this in my frame, but that one's staying over there. So anyway, it's just this word picture in my head of, of reframing and, and I realized that I like that wording better than deconstruction because that's got such a destructive sound to it um and but I that's not what I'm doing anymore I'm now building this new frame so that was
2: I wanted her to share that because it gives us new language right I have to say we're in a reconstruction process because we've already had the wrecking ball to all of all the things we once believed and held held fast but now reframing and getting that from how we were talking about some of these new These stories that we've told over and over again to one another, um, we're putting a different frame on them. We're not coming from rules and judgment and conformity and power over, but we're coming at a place level ground and understanding that the ground in which we've been planted has been love all along and they were just trying to trick us out of it. And so uh, Danielle, thank you, thank you so much. Give her a round of applause, Danielle
5: cool. Hey, honey. I'm going to grab a tissue first because I know I'm going to start crying. Okay.
2: Oh, is there a tissue around? Yeah, there's. Okay. I was looking beforehand. I know myself. Okay. All right.
5: Okay. So for those of you that were here last week, I shared that I um, unexpectedly had to put my 30-day notice in at my apartment, and I was looking for a new apartment, and it seemed like I was hitting dead end after dead end, and I couldn't find something within my budget. Um, And so last Sunday I shared that I believed that I was going to find an apartment and one that I could afford and it was going to be better than the place that I was in. And so Sunday afternoon I was driving around and I don't know how I got to this area of Tulsa, but it was a bunch of apartments and uh, there was a couple that I had my eyes on and I was like, okay, these look nice, but they're probably out of my my budget. So I started researching and, and they were within my budget feasibly. And so then I started reaching out to them. And Monday I found out that there was a downstairs unit that was bigger than my current place, and it was within my budget. And I was like, this is it, th- th- this is the apartment. And so I put the application in. And Tuesday night I got the call that, hey, you're approved. But somebody already put a deposit down on that apartment. And all we have is a junior apartment that is 100 square feet smaller than your current place. Um, Do you want it? And I was like, I I, I can't, I I need more space than that. Um, And so I called the sister community next door because they had an upstairs unit that was similar. And I was like, okay, maybe that one's still available. It's, It's upstairs, but it's fine. And by the time I got on the phone with them, somebody had snatched up that apartment too. And I was like, come on. I got approved, I found a community and now there's not something available. And I was like, okay, I still believe that it's gonna come, something's gonna happen. And so the next day I was at home and I got a text around noon that said, Hey, we had a downstairs unit that is a full size unit open up beginning of February, right around your time slot. Do you want it? And I said, I will be there three o'clock to put down the deposit. <laughs> <laughs> and so on Wednesday, I put down the holding deposit on my new place. And The move-in date was four days past when I was supposed to be out, so I went and talked to my complex, and they were able to extend my notice so that I'm not going to be without housing. So that's pretty great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was such a huge relief to get that text, and as soon as I put the deposit down and I knew it was a for-sure thing, I texted Bonnie and I said, I just put my deposit down and it was a total god thing because I, I didn't even know about these complexes before sunday and by wednesday i had a place reserved for me which was really really cool um but to add on to that
3: put this down on the
5: i keep thinking about anna claire's words from last week about vulnerability and how you can't expect people to catch you if you don't let them see you wavering before the fall. And so this is me saying that I am struggling. I need help. I am currently about three to $400 short of what I need to make this move happen, not including moving fees. I am hustling, I am working side jobs. I crochet and I do photography, if anyone wants that. But um this is me saying I need help. I don't have a family down here outside of this church and a couple of close people at work. My family's not in a position where they can or are willing to help me. And so this is me saying I'm struggling and I need help. Let's do
2: it. If you got a twenty, a fifty or a hundred, put it in this kid's hand on your way out and let's just meet that need, okay? There's more than enough of us in here to meet this need. And I'm sure she takes cash App, so just get it on in there. All right. We love you, honey. We love you. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't hear. This is us.
5: And to those that prayed and and believed with me that this would happen, thank you. Mm -hmm. Because this was more than the reassurance that I did that I'm in the right place Mm -hmm. and with the right family. Mm
2: -hmm. And
5: it's amazing.
2: (laughs) Give her a round of applause as she goes back to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Meeting needs. Um, All right, we've got exactly 26 minutes. (laughs) Anybody need to share something before I get moving? Moving to good. Go ahead, Kelly. Yes, appraise. Do it. Lance happy birthday Lance you're 29 for how how the, the second time or so yeah. fourth time <laughs> oh yeah well I have a, a beautiful message for us today um, and it will be um, it will start and if you don't pay attention it'll be history before you know it <laughs> Who? How are we going to do this? Look at that cool graphic. That is neat. So happy you're here. <laughs> well, spirit of love, help me get this out in 24 minutes, and help it be something that um, will minister to us in ways we didn't even know we needed. Speak through my, go ahead and preach, is that what you told me? Hey, Jay, what's up? I'm here to preach. (laughs) You're like, yeah, but we can smell. I'm starting to smell too, just like how it always is. I start to smell halfway through, so I'm starting to smell all that in the back. The illusion of separateness from God and from the favor of God is as old as Adam and Eve. I want to share with you today a familiar story that in many circles has been used to emphasize the notion of rugged individualism and sheer grit in the face of fear. It has even fueled much of the colonialism across the face of the globe for centuries. It's a story that is contained in our very scriptures. And as we know, these scriptures can be used as a tool to weaponize, to hold power over, or they can be used as a tool to comfort. Comfort ye my people. It's a story I've heard many a preacher shout about and berate their assemblies into a courage without Question, strength over the weaker, power over the other, dominion over people that don't look like us, that don't sound like us, that don't believe like us. And they're fueled by the very story that is found in this text. In the spirit of reframing, we walked through the Good Samaritan We reframed it. We looked at the Levite. We looked at the priest. We looked at the scenario. I bring a different lens to the story of the spies in the promised land of Canaan. I have shied away from this story, maybe for obvious reasons. It's basically a story about people Going into a land that they were told was promised to them by God. And they went in to take the land from the inhabitants of the land. You can understand why it's been hard to preach this story. However, I got a new frame. I'm beginning to understand and it's been a years long process that the texts that were written for our good and for our encouragement never meant to be taken necessarily literally but are meant to be applied as a good story is. In the spirit of reframing our beloved Bible stories, I bring the lens to the story of the spies in the promised land of Canaan, the promise that was given of a land flowing with milk and honey. You know how the story goes, and if you want to read it for yourself later, it's found in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Moses had been given a promise by God. They had been given a promise that they would be rescued and delivered from the hand of of the Pharaoh in Egypt, from slavery, from domination, from oppression, and that God would bring them out and give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And he was told to send out spies into the land, 12, one from each tribe. Another word for spies there could be just a scout. They were sent to scout out, to analyze, to consider the land, whether the land was good or bad, whether the inhabitants of the land were strong or weak, whether they were few or many, whether the cities were inhabited like camps or fortified like cities. They were sent to scout out the land. They were sent to see if the people there were rich or poor or whether they were big or small whether they had weapons or not they were sent to scout they basically took inventory of the promise inventory and see i think god expects this from us to count the cost to evaluate to analyze to use our intelligence. When God or we perceive God to speak to us a promise, I don't think that God expects us in his wisdom to just swallow this without any question, consideration, use of our critical thinking skills. See, a babe will be at the breast of its mother and just swallow everything that comes in. But as mature sons and mature daughters, we're to extrapolate, we're to analyze, to consider, to figure, to use the skills that we've been given. So they went into this land not knowing what they were going to encounter. You know the story very well. I'm not going to go into it. And how many, help me remember, 10 returned with a bad report, and two returned with a positive report. Two of them returned having seen the promise, having analyzed it thoroughly. Two returned, and they were the last to speak at the assembly around the fire that night. They all gathered round, the assembly gathered round, and they couldn't wait to see what was the promise like. Do you think God said? Did God really say we could? Is this really okay for us to walk out of a bad place and into a spacious place? Is it okay for me not to be under the oppression of another but to have my own liberty Did God really say I could have a bigger place? Is the promise all that it was set out to be? The ten spoke first. They all said, no. There are giants in the land. And they are strong. And they cried out and said, this is not for us. We don't know why God would lead us out here. There's no way we can fulfill this promise. But what did Joshua and Caleb do? Joshua and Caleb spoke up in the middle of the assembly and said, Oh, no, beloved friends, we're well able. We're well able. To take the land, for God is with us. We are well able, for the strength is not our own. We are not like wax before them. We are strong. And they, actually the giants of the land, will be food for us. Another word for giant there is bully. There were bullies in that promise. Built in. Bullies built in bullies in the land of the Nephilim, the giants, the big ones, and the people rose up in the face of a positive report. The actual the congregation rose up and started to stone them. They were so upset that seemingly these two. Optimistic, motivational speakers were so insistent that they could do more than they thought they could. They could could acquire the promise that God gave them, and they sought to stone them. So they shrank back. They cowered down. The text said they cried all night because they could not believe the minority. As I was pondering this message and thinking about why these texts are given to us, I believe that the texts are given to us for us to look inside. Inside of ourselves, there is a promise. Inside of you, there is a spacious place called a dream that was given to you at a very young age. A picture of yourself, a picture of yourself strong, capable, available, ready. And all of our lifetime long, there has been a majority of us, a majority of the parts of us, 80% of us, give or take, that just won't shut up. The naysayer, the accuser, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. Who told you that you could be somebody? Who told you that you could break the mold? Who told you that God had a purpose for you? Because you've done and gone and made different decisions. And they're back there saying, You've messed up. We thought we instilled values in you, young lady. Who are you to think differently than us? Who are you to say that God is still with you? The text goes on to say that the many um, spoke up and said, there's no way we can enter the promise because we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And thus we are to them. It's one of the most beautiful texts in the whole scripture. There we saw the giants, Numbers 13, 33. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I submit to you this morning that there's an urge, there's a desire, there's 20% of you, maybe more. A picture of your life in your mind's eye that stays maybe in the very back corner, waiting until you're ready. It beckons you, it bids you to take up the image of who you truly are, an image in love, It calls you over and over again. With any new thing, we have a choice. See, because I'm not talking about literal land. I'm talking about spaces that have been created for you in the mental landscape of your psyche. What would it be like if you inhabited a peaceful space in your mind, remembering whose you are and who you are, and allowing the naysayers in your own mind that tell you you're nothing but an insect? You're nothing but a worthless, annoying insect. You'll never do anything with precision. You'll just hop around like a little chaotic bug. What if that other, those other two voices, <laughs> waiting in the silence for you. Waiting in the silence for you to drop your anchor waiting in the silence for you to get still and know that I am God. With any new thing, we have a choice. Decide with the parts of us who demand to hear the reality. We've got to face this with the reality. We are small. They are big. They are smarter than me. They are prettier. They are stronger. They have a better body shape than I do. They are more educated. You see, the bullies in the promise never spoke a word. Listen to me. The bullies in the promise never spoke a word. The doubts and fear came from within. It came from their own perception of who they were. It came from their own perception of who they were and who they thought they thought they were. We started projecting all of this, assuming, well, I think that they they looked at me. It came from within. The bullies, the giants, and the promise never opened their mouth. You see, they evaluated themselves according to their own estimation. They totaled their worth based on their own calculations of what they felt about themselves and their past experiences of being oppressed. They desired greatly to go into what God had for them, but all they were doing was doing the same calculations from their bondage. They were not used to being strong, they were not used to being healthy. They were not used to being accepted. They were not used to having ownership. They were not used to being capable, but they had developed an image that was lesser than, poorer than, smaller than, weaker than. And though the bullies said nothing, they talked to themselves out of the promise all on their own. The way you feel about yourself must includes God's opinion of you. I want to call it the Caleb and Joshua factors. If you have been putting an equation together of your life's potential based on your past only, I would invite you to add in a little Caleb and Joshua Add in God's opinion and estimation of your value and your worth. For greater is the one within you than the giant bullies in the land. Everybody point to your head. This is the land. This is the land. Let us be the keepers of the truth today reminding one another of who we are and whose we are. Let this truth not depart from our lips, but let it be at the core of our fellowship this hour. We gather together to encourage one another and exhort one another in the faith, to remind one another that we are not the majority of the accusers, but we are the minority of the faithful, the one who believe what God says about me. And I'm going to say what God says about you. Today, in this fellowship hour, I know that I can see Christ when I'm authentically open, honestly connected, vulnerably available to a true connection with you. The scripture says no one has ever seen God at any time. But if we love one another, we can get a glimpse. I pray that today we have an opportunity to talk about the promise the valuable, worth it, dignified person that you are. On your table, you have a craft. And it's about the, I uh, almost said caterpillar. That's a different message. Uh, grasshopper. grasshopper. The grasshopper. I um, am a firm believer that God shows up in the most unlikely of places. I am a firm believer that <laughs> even if you make your bed in hell, behold, God is with you. I have seen this time and time again in my life. I often say that if there's nobody ever around in a, in a situation like if I'm the only person driving, if I come to a stop and try to accelerate, there's going to inevitably be another car there. Like, I'm never alone. It's this really weird concept that happens in my life. And it used to really irritate me because I'm like, there's nobody here. There hasn't been anybody here for a long time. How is this person here now impeding my progress? Well, what I understand is it's become bread for me. It actually fuels me. I am always at the intersection of grace and provision. There is always somebody there when I need them. I'm never alone. I went to Shreveport this week. <laughs> my Louisiana, former Louisiana residents. I went to Shreveport this week. Nothing against Shreveport and nothing against grasshoppers, okay? Um, but I was told by my former, by Lance and Kelly, um, to watch my back, I mean, is basically what they said, and, and everybody else had given me the same warning, and I was like, I was like, I'm never a feel, fearful person, I don't really go into places thinking, ooh, I need to watch out where I stay or whatever, but everybody kept telling me this, and it kind of be, was like the 10 of the 12, it's like, okay, I'm getting this message over and over again, and if you're from Shreveport, it's a, it's a nice place, it's fine, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with Shreveport. Um, but I was given all of this pretext, right? So it's in my mind. Like, i got to watch myself. i got to stay in the right part of town. Well, when I arrived um, to do the business of teaching, a training for three days in a row, I arrived there and I found a pizza place that was close to my hotel. And... I, I like to go and, and sit before the sun sets with my laptop and answer emails and do my work and just basically get caught up on communication. As I sat there, part of my communication that night was with my parents. And some of you know that I'm in a recent situation. <laughs> Everybody say situation. I'm in a situation. Uh... I sat there, ordered, talked, nice casual conversation with a gentleman, and I'm going to give you actually their, their skin color and their age and what I believe their sexual orientation or gender identity is, just so that you can understand what I'm dealing with. So I was talking to a middle-aged, cisgender, white, straight man. He, we were having a very casual conversation. He was also there. He, he was a local. He was telling me where to go for the best wings and the best pizza, this and that, all week. Great. We have a nice conversation. He leaves. He said, I'm going to go home to my girlfriend. Awesome. Great. I'm going to stay here and work. Soon and very soon, about 5.30 hits, and evidently it's Monday night trivia night at the pizza place. Okay? <laughs> so all these people start swarming in. I mean, I was in this nice, quiet environment, and then all of a sudden, crash, everybody's off work, and they're coming to trivia night. Great. So I sit there and order my pizza, and I'm just surrounded, and then the music starts going up loud, like, boots with the fur, fur, whole club looking at her. And it's like on medley, it's like over and over, and I mean, they're my jams, too. I'm like, woo, I like this, it's like... My milkshake for you. and I'm just like, this is fun, and I like it, and everything is great. Well, this nice little server that had been helping me very young um was very beautiful, like lucas actually very nice looking kid um delightful, beautiful little smile, and um was real young, and he just kept helping me, he was very attentive to me. And he said, Hello, ma'am. And everybody ma'amed me. I got more ma'ams than I have in my life in Louisiana. Ma'am, uh, I got misgendered once. I never know how that happens, but I get called sir sometimes. So, um, so he said, Ma'am, um, that gentleman that you were talking to earlier um, wanted to help buy your dinner and uh, just wanted to bless you. Um, would you be willing to take a drink? Would Pastor Bonnie be willing to take a drink? Yes. <laughs> Pastor Bonnie would be willing to take a drink. So I said, it, the way it happened so struck me, the kindness of that guy, that tears just involuntarily sprang out of my eyes, and I just they just were rolling down my cheeks. I was just so moved by his kindness, because he would already left, and I knew his intentions were pure, and I knew that he just wanted to buy me a drink. And... I told the young man as he brought it around, I said, I just have to tell you, just last week, I was up here at the Freeway Cafe, and this woman in her 80s, black woman, evidently cisgender, I don't know, sexual orientation at all, but she sat next to me at this Freeway Cafe, and she, or this tiny little petite woman, ordered a giant stack of pancakes, with strawberry sauce dripping all over it, whipped cream, berries, and a big old plate of bacon and eggs on the side. I mean, this woman, she's like, I'm here for this. I said, I want to be you when I grow up. She said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I take that as a compliment. Because I was like, I want to be able to eat what I want to eat without any guilt or regret, which is a problem I have. I often regret. So I um, was like, I really want to participate in that kind of freedom. So when I got up to pay my ticket, I asked the lady to just sneak around the edge and grab her ticket so I could buy her pancakes. Because I understand the spirit of covenant. I understand that when I'm in relationship with you in a tangible way, then I might participate in that spirit that's on you so I was literally going I want to eat pancakes here on and forevermore I want to eat pancakes in my life and I wanted to bless her so that rolled back in my head as I sat there and see he said this guy wants to buy you a drink I'm like wow the kindness (laughs) cool he came over I said I don't know I said how we the server and I began to talk let's call him Justin he said, yeah, um, I said, I'm a minister, because he was asking me what I was doing. I said, I'm a minister, la, la, la. And I could tell his demeanor kind of shifted, and that'll happen with me sometimes. If I tell people I'm a minister, they kind of get locked up on me. And, uh, right, y'all can imagine? They get kind of locked up on me. And I'm like, do I look like that kind of min?" I mean, but anyway, the the lens just go they go, they go locked on me. So he said, I'm... I'm twenty-one years old and I used to be Methodist, but now I'm gay. And the tears are just flowing. I'm just like, And he kinda leans in and I kinda lean in and we gave each other a big hug. I said, Honey, my wife and I And he's like (laughs) I said, Sweet. You know, there was no words. The boots with the fur was in the background. I mean, it was big, (laughs) it was loud. It was really, you know, loud volume. And and so we just hugged. I said, thank you for bringing the kindness. Thank you so much. White, gay, cisgender, former Methodist, who knows what he's been through with his family. Got to see me. Next, and I kid you not. God will show up for you in the most unlikely of places. One of this group of guys, distinguished, well-dressed, you can imagine, well-dressed, distinguished, rich, young, black guys. The tallest among them, six foot five, eyeballing me. And he walked over and he said, ma'am, I've been watching you crying." And I don't know what's going on with you. But I just wonder if I could reach over and give you a hug and just tell you that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. In the most unlikely of places, when I hadn't sensed the kindness of a stranger, much less a friend, in a long time, I met the Trinity in a middle-aged cisgender straight man, white. I met the middle of the trinity and a tiny little kid that needed to see that someone still believed in God and God loved that someone for just exactly who they are. And then a really tall, beautiful black man. I'm sure he smelled good. He looked like he did. Said. Everything. There's nothing like a low voice, male or female, who comes through and says, Everything is going to be okay. Because you see, I'd been talking to my parents. And God showed up to me. Lance and Kelly called me. They couldn't hear me. They were going, and I said, I can't talk. I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed, just verklemped with how God has shown up for me in Shreveport, Louisiana. Three in one. If we're open and we're aware, God will show up for you through the kindness of strangers. Would you stand with me? that event carried me through the rest of the week and as I considered the grasshopper and considered how we show up in the world so often thinking that we are nothing but an insect this we're so insignificant and then God will just surprise you and he works through all of us today we're not going to do our normal communion like we normally do um, because the fellowship and the food, this is the communion. In the early church, they would gather around a meal, and they had to tell old Papa, now when you come, don't drink too much, because, <laughs> you know, eat and drink before, <laughs> before you come. But today we are going to feast, and this is our communion. Um, I want to bless you as you eat. Know that you are the body of Christ, that you belong in this house, you belong in this place, I love you. The people around you love you. So as things are, we've got a full house in here today, and we've got tables of food back there. The paper products, like the the plates and all that kind of jazz, is over to the left. You all know where everything is over here. I think we need to bring out the drinks, I think, unless they're already out there. Wonderful. Well, you all know what to do. I encourage you to fellowship vulnerably with one another and um, encourage one, one another in the Lord. And the food is ready, and you are blessed to eat it. God bless you.